my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Our main web address, Clark.com. Coming up in just a few minutes, I want to tell you about an ugly car scam that I hear about and one ring was just busted, but it doesn't mean the coast is clear. And coming up yet later... We've had an enormous problem with home price affordability now for four years in so many metro areas in the country, at least four years. I want to tell you about a trend that's your friend if you're trying to buy an affordable home or your first home. So speaking of putting a different kind of roof over your head, renting a hotel room, the hotel industry has gone crazy in many places around the country, increasing the number of rooms available. And so what's known as REVPAR, which is a hotel industry measure that they talk about in the trade, the revenue per available room per night is slowing and falling in many places. And the reason is, is they just built too many rooms. So not everywhere in America, but very heavily in America. So I want you to know this. On a typical night in the United States, in the typical city, roughly one in three hotel rooms are empty. And I want you to use that knowledge to your advantage when you're booking a trip, either by car, which is how most people go on a trip somewhere, or by air, is that what we usually do, particularly people who book by air, is we go ahead and book our room where we're going to stay at the time we book our flight. A lot of people will do the same when they're um, deciding to take a road trip. They'll go ahead and plan out their itinerary and they'll book hotels. So I want to tell you that when you're booking early, I want you to always book a hotel that is cancelable without penalty. Do not book non-refundable hotel rooms many, many months in advance because hotels tend to make their lower rates available once they have a solid sense of what occupancy is looking like for when you're going. I'll give you an example. I booked a hotel room. Uh, about six weeks out from a trip. And then a week out, I went shopping for hotels again. Didn't find a deal that was magnificently better than what I'd already booked, except this. The place I'd already booked my room was now $32 cheaper for the night than what I had booked originally. 32 bucks. Another place that I had booked for that trip was $18 cheaper for the same place I'd already booked. So I simply rebooked at the lower rate. Now, that was for an international trip. Domestic, nearly 100% of the hotel rooms I book are on Priceline or Hotwire, where I don't necessarily know the hotel till after I book non-refundable. And so those are for rooms I'm booking later, and I have a guide to how to use these services and 
not get burned on Clark.com. But when I travel internationally, I still book Priceline more than half the time. And I'm able to get hotel rates that just shock people because just as here in the United States, a third of hotel rooms are empty on typical night, the same issue comes up overseas. And if you're interested in going to Asia this year because of really uh, softening economies in China and other places in Asia, the hotel rates are unreal. And when I say unreal, I'm talking about being able to book really high-end hotels at $50 to $70 a night. My whole goal when I book a hotel is to stay in a really nice place at a double-digit price instead of the national average for hotel rooms, which now I think is $129 a night is the average hotel room in the United States now, according to the industry. So know that you, you let those empty bed nights work to your advantage. And the more you shop around, the more you're going to save. One annex, be very careful booking through hotel reservation services you have not heard of and you're not familiar with. There are a lot of um, really marginal to sleazy players in the hotel reservations business. If you're not familiar with who you'd be booking with, don't use them. Scott's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Scott. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great, thank you. You get to go to Australia. Yes, my wife and I are taking an anniversary honeymoon trip um, about three to four months from now to Australia. Wow. Have you been to the Australia or New Zealand area at all before? No, never in our lives. And where in Australia are you planning to go? Um, we're actually doing a multi-city trip. We're uh, going to plan to go to Brisbane, mm-hmm. and then our goal from there is to travel by car down the coast, the east coast, and then make our final stop in Sydney. Well, you're making a lot of people jealous. Yeah, we've we've heard uh, from some other people, though, that uh, to, to possibly go to Melbourne would be a great thing, too. But we'll have to save that for another adventure to... Uh, Don't ask the, anybody uh, in Sydney, because anybody in Sydney will tell you, oh, Melbourne, who would ever go there? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, first off, I want to say thank you for uh, all your advice and um, your offerings, uh, whether on your show or on your podcast. I listen to it quite a bit, and my wife does, too. Well, thank you so much for that. How can yeah. I help with the Australian trip? So we've got pretty much everything planned out according to uh, Clark's advice. Now we have one more final thing with a car. Um, so we're looking at renting a car, like I said. Um, so we're looking for possibly a, a good idea for a car rental there, as well as the main thing is car insurance. Unfortunately, my car insurance company here in the States doesn't allow um, doesn't cover the insurance down there. So I'm looking uh, for uh, a, good, a good deal on car insurance that I don't get ripped off. All right. So that's a pain that your own auto insurer doesn't cover you on international trips. So what you'll be forced to do is to save money, you'll have to buy a temporary third-party auto rental policy, not from the 
auto uh, rental company, but from a travel insurance provider that will provide it. So the greatest risk to you if your own automobile insurer doesn't cover you overseas, your own, yeah, doesn't cover you overseas, is the liability side. Because you can cover the damage to the vehicle just by using a card, a credit card that covers you when you do rent a card, car charging on that card. How many credit cards do you and your wife have? Um, together, I think we have around five. All right. Unless you are the unluckiest couple ever, you've got to have at least one or two of those five cards that cover you for uh, temporary use of a rental car. Okay, I think one of mine does. And so that will not cover you for the liability side. It'll only cover you for the damage side. Okay. So when you're really close to going on your trip, you can go on to Google or DuckDuckGo or whatever search engine you like to use and put in just this phrase, rental car liability insurance. And there'll be sellers that pop up that sell specifically the liability coverage for car rentals. This is the kind of product people will buy who actually live in cities and don't own cars. This is where that market came from. And so you can buy something that will cover specifically for this trip. And uh, just wait till a couple of weeks before you go, shop the market and see the best deal you can find on one of these liability policies. Expect it to cost you somewhere U.S. dollars, um, 7 to $9 a day for the days of the rental. Okay. That sounds pretty good to me. And then you just use the credit card that you know covers uh, temporary use of a rental car so you have the collision side of it and you're good and you're actually great because you're going to adore the trip. Oh, do I love Australia. Timothy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Timothy. How you doing, Clark? Great. Thank you, Timothy. How can I serve you? Well, Clark, I'm, uh, I'm 66 years old, and I just recently retired from the federal government. And currently, my wife and I receive uh, almost all of our retirement income through the federal government in the forms of uh, two Social Security checks, a pension, and in the future, I'm going to start drawing from a thrift savings plan. And I've got two questions, really. Is it wise to have so much coming from the federal government? Mm-hmm. And also, what's the possibility that somebody in the bureaucracy will decide to draw money out of a thrift savings plan in order to fund the government? Well... <laughs> I mean, I would be stunned if anything like that ever happened. I would be shocked beyond measure. But you never know how a society or culture changes over time. But if there was ever an issue where it became something that made you nervous, you could at that time do a withdrawal of all the funds from your TSP and place them into your own IRA. Right. And so, and you could do that now if you're worried about uh, what possible actions might be taken against federal employees and the money they've set aside for retirement. Um, 
But the disadvantage of doing that is you may have heard me say in the past, the TSP is such a well-run, low-cost plan that you're not going to be able to find an equivalent IRA that would be as low cost for your money as you have with the TSP. I, I agree with that. I just received a uh, statement from the TSP showing that the charges are $0.33 cents per every $1,000 invested. Isn't that amazing? That is unbelievable cheap. Right. There's no, no equivalent to that. So I would say, I mean, you follow the news, and at any point that uh, you start to get nervous that ill winds are blowing to the point that you would become, uh, you would be enveloped with insecurity about maybe somebody misbehaving with federal retirees' TSP money, then you would almost certainly have plenty of time to move the money over. So I wouldn't want you on spec with nothing at all even being hinted at with TSPs being at any risk, moving that money now. That's, that's what I was thinking, but I was looking for some, uh, some wisdom. So. Well, you looked at the wrong place if you're calling me looking for wisdom. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but I hope that helps, and you're in great shape. I mean, you got your pension, all the money you've saved in the TSP, you've got your Social Security checks. Sounds like you've got a great setup for yourself in retirement. I think I do. I think I do. I've been very diligent in putting money into the TSP, and uh, I think it's paid off very well for me. Well, that is great news, and I hope you love your continuing retirement. I can't tell you how many times I've taken calls with people either buying cars or selling cars online where the scamsters just come out of the woodwork. Well, one really, really hideous scam that I've had so many calls about was just busted. But it's not over till it's over. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. Uh, U.S. government, the feds, just busted a ring that was uh, very heavily involved overseas, including a smaller number of people here in the United States, where when you had a car that you were looking to buy, the buyer, the sellers would post, the phony sellers would post actual real cars. They'd go steal listings from legitimate websites and then post them the same pictures, the description, everything as if they were their own listing, and then convince you that there was a great deal available and to send them money sight unseen. As you might imagine, according to the feds, these vehicles listed on eBay Motors, among other places, were not owned by the sellers. They were not actually the sellers. They were just stealing money. The key with any of these things is that if you can't see the vehicle, you can't drive it, there's a heightened level of risk. But that's not enough to say because there are a lot of people who do, in fact, buy vehicles sight unseen. Not my thing, but there are people who do it. So if you're going to do something like that, 
and you buy, let's say, through PayPal, through eBay, you want to make sure you pay through eBay, through their protection program that they run in conjunction with a company they used to own, but now just cooperate with PayPal. You want to be very cautious. And one other thing I suggest, go look on other sites like AutoTrader or whatever. See if the same vehicle's listed. See if there's a different phone number you're supposed to call. See if it's different people you talk with. And when you see a duplicate listing with different information about the contact, you know you're about to be scammed. But every precaution you possibly can take is no substitute for you seeing the vehicle in person. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com's our main website. So we have had a brutal time in the United States for first-time homebuyers over the last several years. In most of the country, this has been a problem for just the last three or four years. Other places, it's a PERMA problem. But it's really frustrating to people that are looking for that sense of permanence of buying a home. Builders, on the other hand, moved like a herd mentality around the country into only the high end of the housing market. There were a number of reasons that were logical for each individual builder or builder group to build only high-end homes. Had to do with the cost of land, cost of permitting, cost of construction, the cost of materials for construction, the cost of labor for construction. All these factors push builders to what felt like the path of least resistance, which was building the biggest home they could possibly build, and that worked for a while, but now it's not working. Because now we're oversupplied at the high end, and builders are stuck with homes that they can't easily sell. At the same time, people who want to buy a more affordable home are having trouble finding any. So I've got good news for you from the National Association of Home Builders. The average size of a new home in the United States has fallen by 10% in the last couple of years. Builders are responding to the marketplace. The biggest impediment? Local government rules in many jurisdictions that have not caught up to the reality of what home buyers are looking for in many communities, which are smaller lots and smaller homes. A lot of jurisdictions around the U.S., the elected officials have put in place ultra-strict rules on lot size, square footage of home size, and the rest, and the builders are frustrated, the home buyers are frustrated, but the builders want now, having been beaten around by the marketplace, they want to build the smaller homes that so many first-time home buyers are looking for. And there is a market now in the United States for homes that are built to feel spacious, have typically two or three bedrooms, two bathrooms, and tend to be somewhere 1,200 to 1,400 square feet on smaller lots, and they're built to be more affordable. A lot of millennials specifically the key target market 
for first-time home buyers actually prefer being in a smaller home. Our producer, Joel, has two kids and chooses to live in a neighborhood that's more what you desire on a smaller lot, smaller home. Your home is, is two bedrooms, two baths, three bedrooms, two baths? We live in two bedroom, one bath. Two bedroom, one bath. And it was the price you wanted to pay and it was affordable for you because radio pays so terribly. <laughs> Something like that. So, and it is, society shift over time. Plus, a lot of people in their 20s and 30s who went to college have the added beast of a burden of student loans. And that money that has to go towards servicing the student loans is money that's not available for housing. So the priority in the United States is to build more affordable housing. But I want to tell you as a home buyer, buying used homes is what ultimately stretches your dollar. Because the cost of acquiring land, permitting, and building today per square foot makes a new home per foot so much more expensive to buy than buying a used home. Especially first-time home buyers tend to be like bees to honey gravitating towards new construction. But I encourage you, if you're trying to get the most affordable home for your dollar, look at used. Julia joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Julia. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Julia. So you have a, a interesting question for me. Hit me with it. Um, so my husband has a very smart 19-year-old daughter who is at um, the Air Force Academy, and she is no longer interested in going to school there. Um, she wants to transfer to U.S., which is um, the University of Florida. I'm trying to deter her from this in a nice way uh, because I don't think that she can see the long end of being in service um, it will pay for her master's, which she wants to get in engineering, and she'll have health insurance and all the additional benefits that come with, um, like, a housing allowance, and she'll graduate the academy as an officer. Now, I know I know other young people who have had appointments to service academies that have also left. It's not unusual. So at 19, she's a first-year uh, this is her second year. Second she year. was uh, born or she um, turned 18 during basic. Okay. <laughs> during her, so yeah. usually, usually when I hear about people wanting to leave a service academy, it is in first year. So it's unusual that she's made it to her second year and right. wants to give it up. Um, and I hear the frustration in your voice. Where's her dad in this? He is from Canada, and he's a citizen now, and he always said she could go to whatever college she wanted as long as she could pay for it. So it would just demolish him if, he, if she did it. So he would really like her to stay at the academy. Yeah, and he doesn't know she's already applied and been accepted. Oh, no. Oh, no. So wait, so wait. You're the stepmom. You have all this information. And she hasn't. She's too afraid of talking to her dad about it. And you're sitting there with this knowledge. Yeah, it's it's really bad for me because I I don't want to get in the middle. No kidding. So, I, uh, all right. So here's a difficult question. 
what's your relationship like with her mom? Um, uh, she's kind of out of touch. She was kind of out of the picture for a while. Oh. Um, my husband had full custody of her uh, when they were divorced. Um, she's in it, but she, um, her opinion's not really respected, I guess. Is what got it, got it. I mean, right. she's in the picture now, but it's kind of, there's no, I don't think um, her opinion would help. But she is, she did offer to buy her a car because in your junior year at the academy, you're able to drive. So right now she's not able to drive, but her mom is going to buy her a new car and make the payments to help build her credit. And um, that way she has a, a good car that she can have for the next couple of years and um, won't have to worry about maintenance. And her mom's going to take the, the, make the payment for her. And, and, what, and what's your stepdaughter's reasoning for why she wants to dump the academy because those appointments are so precious oh it's so i mean she worked so hard to get it and she's like she did such a good job um, so what's what's her reasoning now why does she she just told me she's been thinking about it for a year right what i'm going to suggest what i'm going to suggest is something um let's see i'm going to give you a straight out way to do it and a deceptive way to do it okay <laughs> uh the the uh, straight out way to do it is you get on an airplane. You said you're in Florida. Yeah, and she's here right now. Oh, she's the, she's oh she's leaving in about thirty minutes. Oh, <laughs> but she's on her way to the um to our office. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, I've been trying to stage this up for my husband. He just came back from a vacation last night, and I thought they would talk about it last night. But she didn't and have the courage to bring it up she, with him. She tried to, but he wasn't very receptive. All right, then I think you, this is your role then. So she, she's not trying to keep it from him. He just doesn't want to hear it. Or he doesn't understand how much she, I don't think she said, hey, I want to transfer. I think she said, All right. I hey, think I, I think in this case, uh, maybe both of them will shoot the messenger, but I think in this case, you need to sit them both down with you and say, okay. we really need to talk this through. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell her, I mean, you and I both look at this as adults oh and we're like, God. don't give this up. <laughs> no. But okay. I think it's more important that, 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 that your husband hear her out and maybe at that point, be able to get her to stick around just a little longer, and maybe she'll understand the wisdom of staying at the academy. And she's been a hard worker her whole life, so she understands the value of money. She's My husband always made her pay for things. So that's, again, like why he said, you know, you can go to the best college you can pay for. And I can um, tell you love her so much. Oh, I, yeah. She's, I hear it cool. in you through and through. Her, and so... I think that's why you got to get this, the three of you together and really talk. And I hope that she will, uh, I know at 19, something else can look so much better, but what an opportunity she has right now, not only to serve our country, but the benefits to her. And I hope that, uh, that the two of you are able to engage her in conversation, not beat up on her, not gang up on her, but be able to engage her in conversation to buy more time before she would make a move like that. Wow, best of luck. 
Bob is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Bob. How are you doing? Great. Thank you, Bob. Bob, you had something happen to you that is one of life's great unfairnesses. Your zip code changed. Yes, it did. (laughs) What happened? Um, Well, I'm about to be 29 years old, and um, I moved from one neighboring town to the other, and I recently re-upped my car insurance, and it went up a couple of bucks, and the agency said, yeah, it changes from zip code to zip code, Um, but I'm just curious because I assumed that the closer I got to the magic age of 30, my insurance would kind of go down, so I guess I'm just wondering, is it a good time to shop around for other providers? Well, actually, the magic age is 25 for auto insurance. okay. So once you're uh, out of uh, driving age to age 24 and 364 days, that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the period that the risk to the auto insurers is so elevated. So you've already well passed that at 29. So you're free to shop however you want. And one of the interesting things about zip code rating is that different insurers use different factors to a different degree. So where one insurer may use your credit report as the number one factor in setting your rates, another may do so based on your actual address. Another may do so on your commute pattern. And so it varies so much the factors that go into the mix and how they set the rates that it's a fantastic idea if you have not, if you had any at-fault accidents in the last three years, since I've been paying for my insurance, no. It's been about five years. How about tickets? Uh, no tickets. Great. So you are, you are essentially a free agent, and it's wonderful for you prior to a renewal date to shop around and see what's in the market. You just got to okay, make I'll... sure you get apples to apples comparisons, the same exact coverages. I will do that. Thank you. All right. Best to you with the shopping. It'll get a little frustrating because insurers don't make their rates available across databases. They don't want you to easily be able to comparison shop. So you'll actually have to do a lot of old-fashioned calling to get true prices. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com slash ask. Sometimes you'll be on the air. Sometimes Joel will ask your question for you. What you got, Joel? Clark got one from David. He says, do Americans need a passport to visit Canada by car? You uh, No, you don't have to have a passport, but you do have to have a um, uh, what's known as a passport card to cross into Canada, which is a different thing. And so you do have to have 
an official U.S. document now, which you did not have to have before. So that is a change that follows the, um, the laws that were adopted after the September 11th terrorist attack. So the passport card is 65 bucks. A regular passport's 145 bucks. And the passport card gets you by land or sea into Canada and Mexico. You can also use a passport card for cruises around the Caribbean or to Bermuda. All right, Joey says, Clark, how long should you keep your tax returns? I thought I heard you say you should keep them forever. So, all right, that's not the official answer from the IRS. It is the Clark answer. Because the IRS can allege at any time you didn't file a return forever ago. And if you have no records, no proof, it's their word against yours. So what I do is I keep my returns and all supporting documentation for six years. After the sixth year, when the next return is done, I throw away for the seventh year everything but the return itself. So all my supporting documentation goes away. I have a, my tax return's a pretty uh, involved one, and so I have a lot of supporting documentation. So I'm getting rid of 95% of my paperwork every year past the sixth year. But the actual return itself, I do not dump. All right, and Gretchen says, Clark, I'm interested in a service called Trim, which claims to help reduce your cable bill. I went to sign up. It required the login for my bank account. That makes me nervous. Is this safe? Well, that's not the issue that we've had from feedback of late with Trim, and I don't recommend you signing up for them for a different reason. We have had um, dissatisfied people who have said that when they let trim get into their bills, that in some cases they actually increase their costs instead of saving them money, and there was nothing they could do to reverse it. So I'm very concerned about the service guarantee, how you're protected, and the rest. I'm not as concerned about giving them the sensitive information that's required for them to access your accounts, but I don't like them uh, taking on those accounts, changing what your plans are, and if they end up costing you money instead of saving you money, just shrugging their shoulders. All right, Dave says, on a recent show, I heard you reference car insurance based on a per-mile rate. Could you explain how I get that? Yeah, so Metro Mile is the biggest player in it, and they're only available in like seven or eight states. I'll give them to you alphabetically how's that arizona california illinois new jersey oregon pennsylvania virginia and washington state and love to hear from you You and go to clark.com slash ask post away you're listening to the clark howard show thanks for joining us today the clark howard show is produced by kim drobes joel larsgaard deborah reese and jim ayers and remember 24 hours a day we're there to serve you at clark.com and clarkdeals.com